thanks for your guys' grace. It's it's uh, kindness of the Lord to protect us from uh, that Zoom bomb being worse than it was. And um, grateful for God's uh, protection for us. And um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna continue on. We're gonna look at God's word because it's what we need. So uh, I am really thankful to you guys so much for tuning in, and I I do hope you're able to enjoy celebrating Easter. Um, even though it's sad not to get to do what we usually do on special days with, with family and friends. So, um, but like Chase said, we do have one more large group next week, and then we're going to take a week off as everyone is transitioning to spring term, and then we'll be back. So we'll have a chance in spring term to have what's for me and what is for many of you one of the sweetest nights of the year. It's our senior share night where we'll have a chance to hear a few thoughts from each of our seniors on how they've seen God at work in their time at WNL. So really looking forward to that. For tonight, we're going to continue our series on the questions of Jesus. And in light of Easter this past Sunday, we're looking at an account that happens after Jesus has died and been raised from the dead in John 21. So I want to give a little bit of context here. Jesus, multiple times in his life, told his disciples that he was going to die. But they never seem to fully understand what he's talking about. And then the night before... Uh, he dies when he's arrested in John 13, right after Jesus washes his disciples' feet at the Last Supper. Peter declares to Jesus that he's willing to lay down his life for him. And Jesus somberly replies that actually Peter will deny him three times. And uh, it's soon after this that Jesus is betrayed by Judas and arrested. And while Jesus is being questioned three different times, someone recognizes Peter and asks him if he's one of Jesus' disciples. And three times Peter says that he's not. And so as Jesus moves closer to his death on the cross, Peter is filled with with bitterness and grief at his failure to live up to his promise to be willing to give his own life for his Lord. And then Jesus is killed on the cross, and on the third day when Mary Magdalene and the other women go to embalm his body, they find an, an empty tomb and an angel of heaven declaring that Jesus is risen. And Mary then meets Jesus in the garden, and she runs and tells the disciples, and then later Jesus shows up and meets with all the disciples except for Thomas, and then later once Thomas is there, and then we get to John 21. Uh, And it starts with this story of the disciples fishing, doing what their job had been before Jesus called them to be fishers of men, and Jesus shows up on the shore, and he calls to them to put down their nets, which had not caught anything the night before, on the other side of the boat, and they put them down, and they catch this huge boatload of fish, and so Peter realizes it's Jesus, and he he jumps in the water, and he swims ashore, and they bring the fish, and they have breakfast with Jesus on the beach. And so now we're going to look right after that in verses 15 to 19, which is where Jesus pulls Peter aside, and they walk down the beach together and have one of the most astounding conversations, I think, in in the history of the world. So I'm going to read from John 21, verses 15 to 19. We're going to put it on the screen and, um, and have you read along with me first. I'm going to see who's in the waiting room. Hang with me. Okay. This is God's word from John 21. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. 
Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk and wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Let me, let me pray and we'll, we'll continue with what God has for us tonight. Uh, Lord, I, I just confess I was uh, unsettled by the call getting interrupted, and I need you right now. We all need you right now. Thank you that your word is true and good and beautiful and it's life, and I pray that you'd help us by the power of your spirit to enter in this night. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I usually start by, by telling a story to, to get you to imagine some particular point that I'll, I'll be making about the text that week, but this week the scene itself is so evocative that I want us to try and just imagine what it would have felt like to be there with the disciples as they ate fish on the beach with the crucified and risen Christ. And we'll focus on what Peter's experience would have been. It's been about 10 days now since Jesus was killed on the cross. And when it was happening, Jesus, uh, excuse me, Peter was facing the reality that the last thing he did before his Lord was killed, the last thing he did was to deny even knowing him, to deny that he followed him, to deny that he loved him. And then grief and mourning and heartbreak. And then Mary runs in the room with the wild news about seeing Jesus alive. And then he's there and you've seen him, but you haven't been able to talk to him alone yet. And now you're sitting around the fire in the morning light. And for the rest of the disciples, there's this sweetness, this joy, this peace of sharing a meal with Jesus who's conquered death. But what would it have felt like for Peter? Was he staring at Jesus or was he keeping his eyes on the fish on his plate, stealing glances at Jesus, wondering what Jesus is thinking about him? Is Jesus angry? Does he still want me here? I denied him. Does he know about that? Can you, can you feel how tight Peter would have been? How alone he would have felt even as he sat in that circle of his best friends? How red his cheeks would have been? Can you, can you feel that? Can you feel his pain? Peter's in pain. And, and what this story is, is really about is the posture that Jesus has towards us in our pain. And so I want to ask you, where are you experiencing pain right now? Are you still swimming in bitterness and disappointment because of coronavirus cutting your year short? Or is your home a place of tension and fear and not the place of peace and rest that everyone else's Instagram seems to, to indicate? Uh, in the loss of structure, have you turned to indulge in old temptations and sins? Are you feeling left out and lonely? Or maybe you're like Peter and you feel like you've blown it. You feel like you've failed, like you've let yourself down, you've let God down in some way. And what I want to look at uh, in this conversation between Jesus and Peter is I just want to point out three ways that Jesus interacts with Peter's pain and, and how he interacts with our pain. And so this first, that Jesus enters our pain Second, that Jesus rewrites our story. And then third, that Jesus invites us to his mission. He enters our pain, he rewrites our story, and he invites us to his mission. So first, Jesus enters our pain. It's, it's a pretty brief conversation, and Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. He goes straight to the heart of Peter's shame and pain. And I'm not sure if Peter understood what was happening when Jesus asked him the first time, do you love me? 
But by the third time, Peter felt it. Verse 17 says that Peter was, was grieved because he asked him the third time this question. And he's grieved because these three questions, they mirror Peter's three denials. That's, that's how Jesus gets to the heart of the matter. He says it three times. And by saying it three times, he, he enters into Peter's pain and he draws Peter deeper into his own pain. But even as Peter is facing the weight of denying Jesus, there's a beauty and a tenderness to the tone of this conversation because it's not in front of other people to shame him. It's not a rebuke. It's an intimate walk shoulder to shoulder over the rock and sand. It's something only good and trusted friends would do. And it's in this moment of friendship that Jesus asks the question three times. Instead of rubbing Peter's nose in it, Jesus is saying, I'll walk with you in your pain and in your shame. I'll walk with you. And in a terrible irony, we actually go through a lot to try and hide our pain from God. We defend it. We explain it. We tell ourselves it's no big deal. But I think what Jesus is saying to us tonight, even in this passage, is that it's okay. Jesus is saying, I know your pain, and I'm here, and I'm going to walk with you in it. He enters our pain. The second thing that Jesus does is he, he rewrites our story. Jesus is in the business. Uh, this is the way that the Jesus Storybook Bible says it, of, of making sad things come untrue. And Jesus doesn't take away our past, but he invites us to be completely defined, completely valued, completely identified through his story and not through our own pain and mistakes. Consider what what Peter gets to do here, even though it's painful. Listen to this. He, He denied Jesus three times, and now he gets three more chances to say what he wished he could have said 10 days before. He gets to find that love for Jesus that's in his heart, and he gets to express it. He gets to have a new story. This man who has to live with saying no three times now receives the gift of a memory of standing next to Jesus three times and saying, I love you. I will follow you. I am yours and you are mine. This is a gift from Jesus that he helps to Peter to, to find and to center his love again because he knows that what's at the core of who Peter is is a love for Jesus. Uh, one scholar, N.T. Wright, explains it this way, basically that at the, at the root of every time you've come and sat at the back row of RUF so that you could leave early without talking to anybody, every time you've gone to church or opened your Bible or said a prayer before a meal, every time you've reached out with a kind word to a friend, every time you've given a gift, every time you've played guitar in worship or stood up to share God's word, at the root of all of that is a love for Jesus. And sometimes that love is small, and sometimes that love is in tension with our own fear and shame, and sometimes that love is faded or distracted, but it's there. And when Jesus goes and enters into our pain, He's going in order to show us the love that we have for Him. He wants us to find it and remember it and enjoy it and express it. And it could appear that this is a little self-serving of Jesus, like if I talk to you to help you find your love for me, it would make me an egomaniac. But with Jesus, this is what John later says in, in, the, in the book of 1 John in the New Testament, that we love him because he first loved us. That we love in response to him coming to us and dying for us, conquering death for us, forgiving us, calling us to be his own, his people, his children, his sheep. Our love for Him is always connected to and is a response to His love for us. And so in this conversation, Jesus rewrites Peter's story and He gives him this story 
of love. And in our pain, Jesus gives us the same rewrite. He wants you to get to find your love for him again. And in order to find it, he reminds you of his love for you, the one who died for you and rose from the dead. So Jesus enters our pain and he rewrites our story. And lastly, he invites us to his mission. And by way of forgiveness, and, and that's, what, that's what has happened here. Jesus is forgiving Peter. By way of forgiveness, Jesus gives Peter a job to do. And, and consider what he is entrusting to Peter when he says, feed my sheep. Consider what was in Jesus' heart when he fed the 5,000. We looked at that earlier this semester where he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. Jesus' sheep, his people, his children are, are precious to him. They're beloved by him. They're the objects of his affection. And he entrusts them to Peter's leadership and care. Jesus is sharing his work, his job with Peter. And it's not a power trip for Peter because it has this built-in humility. Jesus doesn't say, they're your sheep now, Peter. Jesus says, they're my sheep, but I love you so much that broken as you are, I want to use you to care for them and to protect them and to nourish them and encourage the people that are around you. For someone wondering if he was still needed or wanted by Jesus, could he have been given a more honoring, a more noble, a more valuable, a more beautiful calling and task? And of course, for Peter, and, and this is true for you and me when we take up this call of Jesus to, to tend his flock, it's also a painful and costly task. And Jesus ends this conversation in a weird way with this sober announcement about what, Jesus, what, what Peter did when he was young and how later on he's going to be led to things he doesn't want. It's this sober announcement that Peter is actually going to die for the sake of Christ and of the gospel. Why, why would Jesus do this? Why would he tell Peter he's going to die? It's, it's actually such an affirming and dignifying way to restore Peter to his own deepest desire. Because in John 13, which we talked about a second ago, when Jesus predicts that Peter's going to deny him, Peter claims that he'll lay down his life for Jesus. And now Jesus is saying the act of love and worship and sacrifice, that thing that's the best version of you, that was the fullest expression of your heart in its love for God, it's going to come to fruition. He's saying, you're a man after me, and you do love me, and you are going to keep your promise. It's not the same promise he asks every one of us to make, but it's the promise that Peter wanted to make. And I think for us, could there be a, a more important time for us than this season of coronavirus for us to be reminded of the mission that Jesus has invited us to and called us to? If you're like me, there have been times in the past six weeks where I felt entitled and I feel entitled to put Jesus' call on me to love him and to serve others on, on hold. I've been caught up in my own story, my own, my own pain, my own inconvenience. Jesus is kind to us even here. He says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He recalls us to, to care for our families and our friends and our neighbors. He says, people you know need encouragement. People you know need support. People you know need generosity. They need love. And I love you so much that you are going to be my hands and my feet. Come with me in this, which is the most important work in the world. I want to use you. And Jesus ends with the same words that he used to call so many of his disciples at the beginning of their time with him. He says, follow me. 
He says, you have pain and guilt and shame. Keep following me. I want you with me. He says, I know a lot has happened in your life that has shaken you up. Maybe even today, maybe even tonight for me. Keep following me. I want you to be with me. You don't know what the future holds and you feel unsteady and weak. Keep following me. I want you with me. I, I, I would encourage you this week to take a few minutes, maybe go on a walk or find a, a quiet spot in your house and, and have a conversation with the crucified and risen Christ and tell him about the pain you're feeling. And then tell him that you love him. And it might feel weird, but say it out loud. Say it three times. Find that part of you that is the truest and most beautiful expression of your true self, which is someone who has responded to Jesus' love for you, the one who died for you to save you out of sin and death, and who's responded to that with a love for Jesus. That's, that's who you are. That's your story. And then ask him where he might be calling you to care for his sheep. He's with you in your pain. He gives you the story of his love, and he wants you with him on his mission to bring blessing and life and love to the world. Let's join him in it. Let's join him. We're going to move right now to a, a time of prayer together to try to respond to God's love for us and to this call in our lives to live out of his story and to serve his people. And like we've done in the past few weeks, we're going to let scripture lead us. And so we're going to use uh, the first part of the Beatitudes. We're going to use the second half of them next week. This is the, the very beginning of Jesus' famous words from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. And we're going to use these words tonight because they are affirmations of Jesus' love and presence with us in our pain. And so what we're going to do is different students, like we've done before, will read it a verse at a time, and then they'll pause so we can pray. And in those pauses between the readings, those are opportunities for us to pray together. And so I would uh, invite you to please, if you feel led, to unmute yourself and to pray out loud so that we can be blessed by hearing your voice. But we're going to go ahead and move into that time of praying through the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. And as soon as it's up on our screen, Lane is going to start us. So please, please join with us in prayer.